0: Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. In Romans chapter 1, the Apostle Paul declared that in the gospel, a way to be made right with God has been revealed, and that way is by faith and faith alone in Jesus Christ our Lord. Are you certain you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Have you been made right with God by faith alone in Jesus? Let's open our Bible now to Romans chapter 1 and look at the incredible power of the gospel of Jesus Christ our Lord. Well, good morning, good early morning, and uh, welcome to another teaching. We're here on a uh, Thursday morning. It's early. It's 6.17 in the morning. I'm here with uh, Stephen in the studio, and uh, golly, it's so clean. Thank you. My uh, my big sister Susan uh, cleaned the studio yesterday, and uh, man, it's just looking good in here. Tight. Bam. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Wow. Well, Golly, we are in the. Uh, this is the third teaching in the book of Romans, and uh, man, just uh, it's just exciting stuff. I was I was talking to the guys yesterday about one of the verses we talked about last time, uh, Romans one verse eleven, and uh, man, so we're just going to review that and then just keep rolling. So Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy, your favor, your goodness and your grace on our lives. Father, we thank you for this book of Romans, Father. We thank you for the profound, Lord, divine truth found in this incredible book of Romans as well as the entire Bible, Father. We thank you for all 66 books of our Bible. Father, above all, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Lord Jesus we worship you we praise you we thank you for becoming a human man for us we thank you for living a perfect righteous life on our behalf and in our place that we could never live we thank you for dying a torturous death on our behalf and in our place that we should have died and we thank you that you are alive and risen and we worship you today and we thank you Lord Jesus Holy Spirit we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we continue in this book of Romans. We ask that you give us eyes that see, ears that hear, and hearts that understand, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Bam, pow, bam, pow, pow. Mm. Oh, that coffee's good my beautiful May cup. You see that, all the, the Mays, my beautiful wife May. I don't know where we got that cup. I'm suspecting it had to be made by somebody. I don't think we just found a, a cup in the store that had my wife's name on it like 20 times. But all right. So I'm going to start in verse 11, Romans 1. Paul said, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. Verse 12, that is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. 13, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I plan many times to come to you but have been prevented from doing so until now, in order that I might have a harvest among you just as I have had among the other Gentiles. I am obligated both to Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are at Rome. 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith, from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Wow! Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. All right. So I was getting all jazzed up yesterday. I was getting excited, and I uh, I sent out a group text to the leaders, and uh, you know, for the most part, the guys had said that. Uh, that they did not recognize in themselves really a whole lot of verse 11. I was asking the guys about verse 11, the leaders, <clears throat> and uh, I guess there's seven or eight of us, right? And Paul said, I, I long to see you, Romans 1.11, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. And I had sent that to Stephen. Stephen. Uh, uh, several times yesterday and him and I were discussing it and uh, he was asking about the meaning of it and we had gotten into it and he appreciated it. But can you recognize in your heart as a Christian today, Nathan, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, all of us ought to more and more ought to have this longing to impart revelation, insight, understanding, knowledge, knowledge, Encouragement, exhortation, correction, rebuke, accountability. We ought to have a longing to, to help make our brothers and sisters strong. Can you look into your heart? When you look into your heart, can you see that? And again, one of the things I, I am I'm I'm very blessed about in the in the leaders of Kingdom D is that uh you know is that they're candid, they're forthright. They are, frankly, honest, you know, when we, when we ask each other questions, when we're exhorting one another, and for the most part, they, they said that, no, um, you know, I, we do not have a whole lot of this longing in us as we ought to, just this, this desire to just consistently build up our brothers and sisters in Christ. And I was, I was candidly a little discouraged about that. I do see that in my own heart. Then my boy Dustin, you know, uh, you know, he sent a uh he sent a text later at night, and I read it early this morning. And uh, you know, he had uh he said that he does have this. He does have this longing, and he is he is very excited when he reveals some truth or gives some exhortation or or sees someone grow, you know, when he brings an aspect of correction. And it uh man, it really blessed me. So thank you, Lord Jesus. And again, All the guys would say, yes, of course, they're excited when they see people grow. Uh, Tom, our senior elder, simply made the point that, uh, no, in his life, it's nowhere near like it is in the Apostle Paul. And, and, and of course, that goes without reason. But Tom's a very realistic man, and, and he would make the point that, no, it's not even where it should be. So every one of us ought to have this longing. Romans 1 Verse 11, I long to see you so that I may impart to you some spiritual gift to make you strong. Do you have a lifestyle of looking to impart, again, some revelation, some insight, some knowledge to to the people that are around you, to those in your sphere of influence, so to speak, to your brothers and sisters in Christ, to your friends, to your colleagues, to those you're around? There ought to be this longing in you, this desire. Very, very few Christians have it. Regrettably, few Christian leaders have it. And a note on that: if you're in Christian leadership today, you know, if you're just if you're a lay leader in the church, meaning you're not paid, but you're in some type of leadership position in the church, you're a life group leader. Um, And then, obviously, if you're on staff, if you're a pastor, if you're a deacon, if you're if you're an elder, you certainly ought to have this longing, and this is not a longing to do this in the pulpit. Okay, If you're a minister today and you do not have this longing in your heart, this desire that whenever you're around people individually, whenever you're around your family, your children, um, your friends, your brothers and sisters in Christ, there ought to be a desire in you to strengthen them in Christ, okay? If that's not in there, if you do not have a lifestyle of exhorting and encouraging and strengthening and correcting and rebuking and loving and building up your brothers and sisters in Christ just throughout your day, then then, then you're not where you ought to be as a Christian leader. It's an area of immediate repentance, okay the lord has called none of us none of us as ministers is simply called to have just a pulpit ministry where you know where we encourage people and, and preach the word of god from the pulpit but but don't have it as a lifestyle okay if we don't have it as a lifestyle there can be no doubt our preaching is not very effective okay they will go hand in hand so do you have a lifestyle? Again, if you're in any type of Christian leadership, look in your own heart. Now, again, every Christian, every disciple ought to be doing this more and more and more and more. But again, if you're in Christian leadership, you ought to consistently daily have this longing, have this desire, and and have a lifestyle of looking to impart to whomever you're around, right, some some revelation, some insight, some understanding, some knowledge, as I said, some correction, some rebuke, um, some love, you know, some exhortation to help make the body of Christ strong. I mean, I can look into my heart and by the grace of God, I I can see this desire. I mean, and, it, and it's wonderful, right? And as Dustin said yesterday, I mean, when, uh, You know, when you see people get something, when you see the light come on, when you see them begin to walk in, 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 in overcoming victory and, in, in, you know, various aspects of their lives, it's just exciting. Wow. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And then Paul says, you know, I want to make you strong in verse 12, that is that you and I may be mutually encouraged by each other's faith. Okay. Not only that, but you, you ought to have a desire you know, to be encouraged. There can be no doubt again that Paul is saying that as he makes them strong, as he encourages them, you know, he's encouraged by it, right? Um, and so, you know, when we build up people, and certainly all the guys would say they recognize this, that when they do share and they do build up someone in Jesus and they do look to give them some revelation, when, when you get it, when the other people get it, um, it does bring encouragement, right? But not only that, you know, we ought to desire to, to receive revelation and insight from our brothers and sisters in Christ. Don't be afraid to ask your brothers and sisters in Christ just different insights that they have. Um, you know, <clears throat> part of this process when I'm in relationship with someone or if I'm discipling someone or encouraging someone, you know, after I get to know them for a little while, I'll begin to ask them questions about me. What can I do better? How can I do this? What are your, what are your thoughts on this? you know, and I'm looking for them to give me their earnest insights, right? We want to be mutually encouraged by one another's faith. Verse 13, I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that I planned many times to come to you, but have been prevented from doing so until now. Paul desired to get to the Romans. Why? In order that I might have a harvest among you, just as I have had among the other Gentiles, okay? Paul's earnest desire is to get there to Rome so that he can he can preach the gospel of Jesus Christ see people you know come to spiritual life come to eternal life be forgiven of their sins his desire was to again this is the Rome is the is is the biggest place in the world right the most sophisticated place in the world look what he says in verse 14 i am obligated both to greeks and non-greeks both to the wise and the foolish Fifteen, that is why I am so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are at Rome. Obviously, in in Israel, he's dealing with all Jewish people. In Rome, it's it's a massive population. He says, I'm obligated to both Greeks and non-Greeks, both to the wise and the foolish. That is why I'm so eager to preach the gospel also to you who are at Rome. The gospel The good news of Jesus Christ, the good news that we're going to talk about, that he's going to talk about in these next two incredible verses, life-changing verses in uh, Romans 1, 16 and 17. The good news that, verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, first for the Jew, then Jew. For the Gentile, verse 17, for in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Wow. Okay. So Paul's point, okay, I'm obligated, verse 14, both the Greeks and non-Greeks, the wise and the foolish. Everyone needs the gospel. Whether you're Jewish, whether you're Greek, or whether you're anything else, non-Greek, whether you're wise, right? Whether you're, you're intellectually savvy, um, whether you're an intellectual, so to speak, or whether you're a fool, all 8 billion people need the gospel. All 8 billion people need Jesus Christ. When I say 8 billion, I'm saying there are 8 billion people living in the world today, that's a lot of people, right, Klaus? That's, it takes a thousand million to make a billion, okay? And there are eight billion people on the planet. Without Jesus Christ, there can be no understanding of who God is. There can be no, no relationship with God in any manner. And there can be no going to heaven when we die. And regrettably, only eternal hell awaits, All 8 billion people in the world today, everyone alive today is in a hopeless and desperately lost state and needs Jesus Christ and only Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins, the salvation of their soul, to come into spiritual life, eternal life, and to go to heaven when they die and escape an eternity from hell separated from our triune God. Wow. So again, Paul says he's obligated to everyone. And so are we, by the way, not just ministers. Okay. Obviously, if we're in if we're in if we're in uh, leadership or if we're in ministry, uh, you know, in, in the body of Christ, in the church, you know, uh, uh this is this ought to be, this is our job. But every Christian's job is we're obligated to everyone to to make known this gospel, this good news, and he's going to break it down here in verse 16. And again, we just talked about this book of Romans, right, Junior? Um, uh, again, it's been said this is the the greatest piece of literature, the most profound piece of literature ever penned. Right? The uh, you know the the renowned uh, literary critic Samuel Cooleridge, right, um, said that that the book of Romans is the most profound work. In existence, um, it never been, never been a greater work ever of pen put to paper in human history. And again, look at this mini culmination here in verse, uh, in verse 16 and 17. He said, I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes first for the Jew, then for the Gentile 17. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as is written, the righteous will live by faith. So look at verse 17 and we're going to go back to 16. Paul says, for in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed, Corinne. Do you see this? A righteousness from God is revealed, Scott. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. What is he saying there? He's saying that in the gospel, in the good news that Jesus Christ, that God, the son, the son of God, Jesus came into this world. Okay. Lived a perfect life for us, died a torturous death for us and rose from the dead in that good news for in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed a way to be made right with God Is revealed. And it says a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. Okay. So every other religion in the world, beside true, genuine biblical Christianity, is trying to be made right with God by doing enough good. Every other religion is trying to, to, quote, work their way to heaven. They're trying to do enough good, so to speak to offset the bad they know they've done. Every rational human being knows that they've done wrong. All of us know that we're sinners. We all know that we've done wrong things, said wrong things, certainly thought wrong things, and we continue to do it, right? Everyone would say nobody's perfect. It's just human nature. The Bible calls it sinful nature. And it makes very clear in chapter three of this book, Romans 3.23, Paul says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God or the standard of God. Okay. None of us are, 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 are right with God. All of us are sinful. We're spiritually dead. We're hopeless, helpless, desperate, and we need a savior. We need to be made right with God and nothing we do can make us right with God. None of our good works can make us right with God. So Paul says, for in the gospel a righteousness from God is revealed. So is made known. It's incredible. A way to be made right with God is made known in the gospel of Jesus Christ. How do I be made? How can I be made right with God? I'm separated from God because of my sin. But in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed or made known. A righteousness that is by faith from first to last. We're not made right with God by anything we do. We're not made right with God with how we live our lives. We're made right with God, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last. We're made right with God by by having our full faith, our full confidence, our full trust, our full reliance in what Jesus has done, a righteousness that is by faith, from first to last, from beginning to end, we're made right with God, not by anything we do, but by our faith in Jesus Christ. Do you see that? It's so profound. It's so incredible. The gospel reveals a way to be made right with God, a way to have our sins forgiven, a way to have relationships with the triune God, a way to become a child of God, a way to go to heaven when we die, a way to avoid eternal hell. And we're made we're made right with God by faith, from first to last, from beginning to end, it is all by faith. It has nothing to do with anything we do or anything we don't do, for in the gospel, A righteousness from God is revealed, made known, a righteousness that is by faith from beginning to end. Do you see it? So we are made right with God by our faith in Jesus Christ, by putting our full trust, confidence, and reliance in Jesus alone for the forgiveness of our sins, the salvation of our soul. Again, deliverance from eternal hell and to go to heaven when we die. Look what Paul says, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. What he means, the righteous will have life, eternal life by faith. Do you see it? Do you get it? This is paramount. This is so powerful. It's imperative that all 8 billion people in the world understand the only way to be made right with God has nothing to do with how you live your life, but comes from your your faith, your trust, your reliance, your belief in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, God the Son, that Jesus came into this world for you, lived a perfect life on your behalf, died a torturous death on your behalf, and was raised from the dead. And that by you simply believing that, believing that good news, in receiving Jesus. John 1 12 says, yet to all who received him, Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. By believing in Jesus and by receiving Jesus by faith, you're made right with God. You become a child of God. God, the father becomes your heavenly father. Jesus Christ becomes your Lord and Savior and Master and King. God, the Holy Spirit, becomes your guide, your counselor, your comforter. In Jesus, and by faith in Jesus, you have eternal life. You come into spiritual life. You're, you're physically alive, but you become spiritually alive. You're born again spiritually. Wow. Wow. And look at Paul says in 16. I am not ashamed of the gospel. It ought to be our lifestyle as Christians, as disciples of Jesus Christ, our Lord, Nathan, to be consistently looking to get the gospel of Jesus Christ out more and more. We ought to be willing to share the gospel. We ought to be willing to talk about Jesus. And we have tools to do that. Okay. You can go to the website, kingdomd.org, kingdomd.org, And, you know, under Bible study tools, you'll see gospel tracks and and we have three different tracks there. Uh, Everything is free. Um, You can print them. And when you print these tracks and you you give them away or you simply leave them somewhere, you put it on a car windshield, you leave it in a mailbox, Um, you leave it in a Starbucks, you leave it in a grocery store, you know, Anywhere you leave these tracks, okay on these tracks is the gospel, the good news that Jesus Christ is come into this world, the good news that a way to be made right with God is revealed, and it has nothing to do with anything we do or don't do but by, <clears throat> but by our believing and trusting in Jesus Christ alone. So go to the website, you know print off the tracks, and begin to share the gospel. Okay, begin to get the gospel of Jesus Christ out there. Verse sixteen: I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Okay, it's the gospel that's the power of God. It's not my good life that's the power of God. Not even my love is the power of God. I cannot love someone to Christ. Of course, I should love them. Of course, I should dem- demonstrate Christ to them in every aspect of, of my life, spiritually, physically, emotionally, financially, relationally. Right now, in everything I do, Peyton, I ought to be demonstrating Christ and the love of Christ, but that cannot save them. My love cannot save anyone, Jason. I am not ashamed of the gospel because it is the power of God For the salvation of everyone who believes in the gospel, in the sharing of the gospel is the power of God to bring eternal life. It's profound. Okay, the sharing of the gospel can turn a heart of stone to a heart of flesh. The gospel has power to bring us to understand our sin. It has the power to to bring us to an understanding of our hopeless and helpless condition. It has the power to to help us to repent of, of the way we were approaching God, to help us to repent of whatever foolishness we were thinking about God or going to heaven that was contrary to what the Bible teaches. The gospel has the power to bring understanding that, no, I cannot work my way to heaven. No, I'm not going to go to heaven because I'm not all that terrible. No, I'm not going to go to heaven because <clears throat> I've done all this good that's going to somehow offset my bad, and I'm going to go to heaven. The power, the gospel has the, is the power of God to bring an understanding that no matter what I've done, no matter how sinful I've been, no matter how wrong I've been, and no matter at what level, I've done things wrong. The Apostle Paul, who wrote this letter, had Christians killed, okay? He he had them killed. He had them put to death. Their blood was on his hands. He, he had it so wrong. And yet in the gospel, in the power of God, in the gospel, he was forgiven of his sin. And the greatest persecutor of Christians became its greatest apostle. This apostle Paul wrote half the New Testament, okay? 27 books in the New Testament. He wrote 13 of them. The gospel is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes, Paul said, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. That's That's everyone in the world. Everyone in the world is either Jewish or if you're non-Jewish, you're Gentile. Wow. So I'll ask you today, have you received Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul? Have you been made right with God? Have you come to spiritual life in and through the gospel of Jesus Christ? Because you have not come to spiritual life without the gospel of Jesus Christ. For in the gospel, a righteousness from God is revealed or made known, a righteousness that is by faith. Have you placed your full trust, confidence, and reliance in Jesus alone today for the forgiveness of your sins and the salvation of your soul? If you're not sure, you can pray with me simply now. Romans ten thirteen says that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's not our words that save us. It's Christ that saves us. But we use our words to communicate our heart to Christ. If you're not sure that you've received Jesus, you can simply pray with me right now. Sincerely and humbly go before Jesus. Humble yourself before him and simply pray, Lord Jesus, I confess that I am a sinful person. Lord Jesus, I know that I've done wrong. I know that I'm a sinner. And Lord, I know that I'm hopeless and helpless, and desperately lost without you. But Jesus, I do believe you are the Son of God. And I do believe that you did come into this world, even for me, and lived a perfect, righteous life on on my behalf and in my place. And I believe that you died a torturous death on my behalf and in my place. And I believe you are alive and risen today. And therefore, I ask you now, Jesus, to come into my heart to be the Lord of my life, to save me from my sin and to bring me to heaven when I die. Lord Jesus, I place all my faith and hope and trust and confidence in you alone to save me and to be my everlasting Lord and God. Heavenly Father, it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. And if you receive Jesus Christ and you earnestly pray, you are now a child of God and Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. And you have spiritual life in Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus.